May the Lord give you his peace. Amen. Good morning. Um, I really love it when we have a feast day of any of those 12 apostles. Uh, so today, Philip and James, two of the 12 apostles, and uh, the readings, both here at Mass, but also in the liturgy of the church, is, it's uh, back to basics kind of readings. So um, I'd like to preach about that a little bit. Um, and I'm going to take my cue from something that St. Paul said to us here in 1 Corinthians 15, that I handed on to you what I first received. And um, it's very similar to what Jesus said in the gospel, which we just had, John 14, that I spoke to you what the Father you know, gave to me. I did not speak on my own. Jesus kind of also seems to indicate like I'm handing on to you what I received from the Father and then St. Paul, this First uh, Corinthians was one of the earliest written letters of the New Testament. I hand on to you what I first received. And that, that kind of idea brings to mind what the church calls the sacred deposit of the faith, the depositum fidei. And um, so a little word about that sacred deposit of the faith. And I want to quote from the catechism. Please forgive me. Uh, they do such a great job in this catechism. So, um, anyways, it's from the uh, chapter, uh, paragraph 84. The apostles entrusted the sacred deposit of the faith, the depositum fidei, contained in sacred scripture and tradition to the whole of the church. By adhering to this heritage, the entire holy people united to its pastors remains always faithful to the teaching of the apostles, to the brotherhood, to the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. So in maintaining, practicing, and professing the faith that has been handed on, there should be a remarkable harmony between the bishops and the faithful. Should be. And then uh, paragraph 97, uh, and this is from Vatican II, sacred tradition and sacred scripture make up a single sacred deposit of the word of God, in which, as in a mirror, the pilgrim church contemplates God, the source of all her riches. Um, so a couple of analogies to help us to understand uh, this idea that there's this sacred deposit. It's uh, kind of being spoken about as if uh, it's this kind of heirloom, this kind of object that is uh, precious and has great value and has been uh, kind of preserved and handed on in the family from time to time. Does anybody have any of the sisters? You have like a watch or a brooch or something from your great, 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 great grandmother? Okay, it's like that. In the Office of Readings today, we had a reading from Tertullian, right? A magnificent reading about this idea that this, this, kind of deposit of the faith that's been preserved and handed on is like a seed, right? He compares it to a seed that is, you know, was there, Jesus and the 12 apostles, and then it's kind of been planted and it's growing and bearing fruit in every era of the church. Um, I, as I was praying about that, I was thinking of an, another analogy is the pearl. I know ladies like pearls, but if you think about like how a pearl is made, now obviously even the scriptures talk about the, the pearl of great price, you know, being Jesus himself. 
And uh, later on in the catechism, it will compare the deposit of faith to the pearl of great price. So um, it's this kind of grain that's there, almost like the mustard seed. It's a grain, and then you know it gets in the clam or whatever, and then over time it develops this beautiful pearl. And um, so you could look at the, the pearl as, a, a, as an analogy to this um, sacred deposit, this kind of content, the very, very, very beginning, like they call the kerygma, the very basic kind of premise we had from 1 Corinthians 15. This is before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written. The earliest thing it was, Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. He rose on the third day in accordance to the scriptures. The death, the resurrection of Jesus, that was, that was it. That was the, the very grain, the kernel, the heart, the very center of this sacred deposit of the faith. And then we have the development of the New Testament, particularly Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels, which bear witness to the identity of Jesus, who he said he was, his claim to be one with the Father, his divinity, his humanity, and then what the early, you know, the apostles who were with him, what they taught and believed. You know, so sacred scripture and then sacred tradition. There it is. And that sacred deposit does not change. You know, no pope, no bishop, no theologian, no mystic, no anybody has the power or the ability to change what God has revealed. You know, the gospel truth, quote unquote, you know. So as theology develops and it does grow and develop, the development is organic and natural and it never develops into something that's different than what was there in the beginning. It, it never develops or grows in such a way that contradicts what came before. And uh, I wish uh, that kind of understanding could kind of get out there a little more, which I guess is why I'm preaching about it this morning. The Pope himself doesn't have the authority to change or contradict the word of God, you know, regarding life, regarding marriage, regarding anything that we have received. I love that. We've received it. It's not ours. We don't own it. Even the catechism will say the magisterium is not the master of the word of God, rather it's servant, meaning that there's this sacred deposit. It's sacred. It's valuable. It's precious. It's to be um, revered and honored, and we've received it. We didn't invent it. We didn't come up with it. We don't uh, change it according to what we like or don't like. But, you know, we're in a posture like this, like receiving, kind of like when we receive Jesus in communion. We don't come up and take the host. We receive, you know, isn't that beautiful? You know, we receive this deposit. Another analogy, which maybe is a little closer to home for us. I'm glad the novices aren't here right now. <laughs> Let's talk about them. <laughs> Stop cheering, Sister Agnes. Okay, okay. Um, we do something similar in religious life, don't we? Our charism. Our charism is this like precious pearl, this seed, that, this deposit that's there, like the identity of who you are as a religious order, in our case, the CFRs. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's precious, it's valuable, it's the charism. And um, we try to, you know, return to the source. We try to be faithful to that and we try to understand and as we do formation, right, for the novices or the, the new ones, the newbies, as they're here, as they're learning, we try to hand on to them what we first received, huh? This charism, like what we're about, our identity, our patterns of life, um, 
I would like to call it our flavor, <laughs> you know? Like who we are, what we do, what we don't do, you know, this, like in, in the church, the gift that the Spirit has given, the charism that makes each religious order unique and special. And um, that should be looked upon with reverence and it should have great value. And, you know, we make efforts to, to like be in touch with that and to be formed by that and to live that. Now, as religious orders grow and the time goes on and new members join and things develop and, and that's gonna happen, living things grow. So it's not a matter of nostalgia. It's not a matter of let's turn back the clock to 1987 when the life was being lived in its purest form. No, 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 no. You know, even in the church, we don't turn the clocks back. If you turn the clocks back, you'll always be late. <laughs> so it's alive, it's living, it grows, it adapts, it changes, it develops, but always in such a way, you know, authentic development is always such that it never contradicts what was there in the beginning. It's, it's an organic, natural flowering or unfolding of that gift. So just as the church sees the sacred deposit, you know, the kernel, the gospel, Jesus, who he was, what he taught, that content. So even us and our own religious charism that we've received, um, as the founders uh, get older and die, you know, they, they pass on, it's happening to the friars, you know, two of our founders are now gone. Um, Mother Lucille still with us. May she still be with us for many, many years. Don't miss, don't mishear me. But you know that's an important moment in the life of a religious order when the founder passes on, and the new generation has leadership. And then, as that goes on, you know that the the charism needs to be handed on to the newer members. It's like in the church when Jesus ascended back to the Father. But then when those twelve apostles started dying, you know they were martyred. I'm wearing red today. You know, and then that early, early times when they were all gone. And then we have the, the early church fathers, you know, that there was this time when what was received had been handed on. This, this uh, pearl of great price, the seed of God's word, the sacred deposit. And uh, so today is a wonderful day as we celebrate these two, two of the 12, Philip and James, to, to think about the sacred deposit of the faith, this, this beautiful uh, valuable gift that's been given that you know we we hold and that we received and that we try to hand on to others. Let's pray for that grace this day. Amen. Amen.